there anybody alive out there? For the Owls America, Chef of Wednesday Opinion with an American accent. I'm your host, Jeffrey Paternostro. It's our quarterly meeting, which is what we do now. Uh, if you're wondering why we're doing a show, it's what got us out of uh, sabbatical. Uh, what better motivation than a uh, rainy, crappy match at Stoke to get us back on the podcast? I am drinking the Jesse Delmarish uh, Lepkachen Cookie Imperial Stout Asian Bourbon Barrels from the Templin Family Brewing Company in Salt Lake City. It is an Imperial Stout. It is Asian High West Barrels on uh, this like German ginger cookie. Uh, TF Brewing does a lot of uh, good German, Czech, Austrian styles. It's 12%. I've had most of it already. Uh, it does not drink like it. It's quite lovely. And we are back. We are doing podcasts probably regularly again. I have a lot of work to do over the coming weeks, but but I will I will take it was this was a better idea before they lost to under Norwich, but I will take time out of my my evening to talk about our lovely football club. And joining me this week, we'll start in Portland with our Cascadia owl, Mike Laroon. Mike, what are you drinking? Yes, I hardly recognize you. It's been a while. Mm. Uh, this is the uh, sticky toffee stout, which is from uh, from Away Days Brewing here in Portland. And um, if you can imagine, sticky toffee stout is very rich. Uh, it's got a lot of uh, dates and vanilla in it, and it's a uh, it's a really good, nice dessert beer. Leave it at that. In his closet in Long Island City, in Queens, New York, it is in fact James Allen. James, what are you drinking? Good evening, gentlemen. Mm. Um, Jeff, I've got a revelation for you. I'm not in my closet. Oh, yeah, I've, I've been off the podcast for so long, the closet is now full of clutter <laughs> and things, and I can't actually get in the closet, so I'm, uh, I'm sat in my living room. Um, I'm drinking a... Uh, I'm also drinking a bar- bourbon barrel-aged imperial stout. Um, this one is... Been the, one of those shows. We've been building up for it. The so, yeah. hot dog. Yeah, it's been so long, I've got a party bottle out. Um so long both in terms of how long it's been since i've been on the podcast and how long we've been on this podcast recording as well mm. um but this is from other half brewing down in yep. uh, in brooklyn um it is uh i'm going to read you the description it's uh off the full 375 milliliter bottle yeah chocolate vanilla frozen yogurt and caramel um and it drinks as heavily and pours as thickly as the description sounds it's absolutely beautiful it's 14 percent um, it is a, uh, a very, very nice collector's bottle of uh, of Imperial Stout, which will accompany us through this conversation. Mm. It is December. The beers are dark, full of high ABV, as you would expect. Uh, oh, we have one more. We have we do have one more guest co-host for the show for reasons that will become uh, probably probably about an hour from now, fairly obvious. But in Halifax, I assume it's Halifax, right? I don't know any other towns in Nova Scotia. But in Nova Scotia, it's uh, it's Demi Dimitriou. Demi, what are you drinking? Hey Jeff, how's it going? I'm drinking a uh, it's a it's Tadamaguchi Brewing or, or Tadamaguchi. Yeah, Tadamaguchi. It's a it's a town about 45 minutes north of Halifax. Mm. Um, you are in Halifax. This- I did not make that up. I am. Yes, I am <laughs> in Halifax. Uh, yeah, uh, it's their Deception Bay IPA. Uh, it's a family-owned uh, microbrewery up uh, and it's to be honest, my favorite beer mm. uh, from Nova Scotia. So, yeah. although there are many, many good ones. Yeah. This is uh, one in this episode. It's one of our episodes. I will look up the number before I do the outro uh, an hour plus from now. We will take a, a long view 
it's been a while. Talk about the the Danny Roll era, uh, Mark II. We will cover the Wednesday news. We will preview because this is uh, things we do. We preview <laughs> upcoming fixtures. It's QPR. We will preview QPR. We will uh, again for reasons that will become obvious. Uh, have a fairly significant any other business segment, uh, and then, and then wrap things up. But we will start with recent results. And again, recent results not great. They lost three, they lost three one to Norwich today. Still eight points from safety, not bottom of the table. And we're bringing back uh, an old feature. We're doing thumbs up, thumbs down, but we're doing it for the entire however long it's been since we've last podcasted, which was yeah, a few matches in the Danny Roll era. And I will start it off. Uh, my thumbs up is I do feel like there's actual goal threat now. And we can look at the reasons for that. Uh, Danny Roll has brought in Bailey Katamatari to the squad, and he's already scored. <laughs> he already scored two goals, which I'm reliably informed is fairly high up on uh, one of his goal scoring chart this year. And again, a player that I've kept an eye on for the last few years. And look, it's never great when you're starting an 18 year old striker in the championship, but also he looks like he has a little bit going for him, right, James? Um, he has a lot more going for him than pretty much any of our other yeah. strikers. So, uh, so that's definitely an improvement. No, he's got. I think he's got a lot going for him. And look, it's quite interesting, Jeff. Um, watching, I'm going to say soccer. This is evidence of how long I've been over this side of the pond. Um, watching soccer with children, there is no fear in yeah. a younger player, right? Yes. And you know, 18 is is actually reasonably mature if you look at some of the players that are the now man, playing the at the top level. The man is bleeding from his league. face, and he's still going for the, the he's bloody like, nose. <laughs> the bloody nose today is quite. The he's look. he's ready. And look, I mean. I think one of the things Wednesday have been guilty of in recent cycles, recent years, is actually not giving enough yeah. opportunity to the younger players. Or not kind of holding them, them back which they also long. did. So. Yeah, or not, not moving them on quickly enough. Yeah. And the fantastic thing with Kadamatri is, look, he's he's been banging goals in for the youth teams. He's shown his prowess. He's shown his capability. And in Danny Rule, we have a manager who is willing to give youth its head and give it its opportunity at the right point. He brought yep. him in as a substitute, put him yep, in the right yep. position, gave him the chance to benefit from the team. And now we're getting the rewards. Now, I, th- I think he'll also be the first manager to pull him back out again if the pressure gets too much, if he's he needs a rotation. He's very, very judicious, but, right? Yeah, he's he's like 45, 50, 60 minutes, and he can change things up. And the other thing, too, is like for the way he wants to play, like – he is absolutely going to run at every single central defender when the ball gets passed back to them, right? Like he, he's in a lot of ways, the focal point of that kind of high pressing style because he's 18 and just is going to run and run and run and run until he can't run anymore. Well, you, you're kind of leading into my thumbs up, yeah. Jeff, which is, um, I mean, we're all getting to know our, our new style, right? And the good news is it's not our old style, or at least it's not the style we started the season with that gave away literally half a season worth of points. But what it is, is without question, it's a very intense style. It requires the team to be on it every minute and to have the fitness to be able to keep with the game and keep up that level of press, keep up that level of intensity. And what I think unfortunately does happen is we do drop off a little bit. You know, the players we have can't necessarily keep up with that expectation for the full 90 or even with rotation. So you do need youth. You absolutely need players that are willing to carry the ball, that are willing to run at 
defences that are willing to run in and close down space quickly as right. well. And so if, if you want to I think that's something the, else he offers. If you want to look at the downside of that, it's like one of my one of my issues with him is like, a, you know, whatever, lone striker, but sometimes with wingers around side him too. It's like, it, not that he's not, not that he doesn't look the part, right? But when he has championship center backs bodying up to him, he does not exactly have like the physical strength of Michael Smith, right? That is a problem. And I think teams know they can. No, but he of... does have the mobility that isn't Michael Smith. <laughs> yeah, that, fair I mean, that is an asset. Yeah. So. <laughs> it is, but it's a, that's a trade off you have to make, right? When you're trying to play back to goal, like he can't really do that as well as you would like. Like his sense of positioning and the fact that he will press from the front is great, but I don't know if he is Danny Roll's ideal. But he keeps starting him, right? And like the results have been pretty good when he keeps starting him too. And you know, you're gonna get a shift out of him and players can play off him. Like you look at his movement for the for the first goal, right, with the wind ass cross. It's like that's that's a nice little bit of movement at this level for an eighteen year old. But your uh, thumbs up is intensity and intelligence. There we go. You see, this is the problem with being on Zoom calls. I still not found the mute button. Um, we just covered the intensity part, right? What I love about Daniel Rule is he's got us playing in a high press. He's got us playing with a focus, conviction on rapid turnover, on getting the ball, on moving the ball quickly. Um, but I think the intelligence part is, it's actually a beautiful thing to watch the team learning, which is he's playing to each and every player's strengths, right? He's working out what those players have the capability to do, and he's encouraging them to do that well and not to do anything else. So you look at, you know, players like Bannon, he's making sure he's in positions to play the killer pass, not to carry the ball and do all of the work of moving box to box. Um, he's brought a player like Marvin Johnson back into the side because he recognises the value that he brings in creating the overlap and being able to put a ball into the box, something for players to attack. <laughs> um, and then, um, you know, you've got players like Will Volks, and I know you kind of want to talk, Jeff, a bit about kind of players who he's getting the most out of, but Will Volks, he's got him playing as part of that midfield three in a very, very effective way, really on short balls, pressing, breaking up the play, not trying to play worldies, not trying to like you know be the midfield maestro and the Bannon replacement, but being a really really good Will Volks and actually that intelligence is is the thing that's impressing me. And then in the moment being able to change the tactics, change up the formation like we did against Stoke in order to create the displacement that creates the opportunity that means we can get results. Mike, your thumbs up is set pieces. Shocking for a Sheffield Wednesday podcast. But... Well. It's not that they're perfect, but they are no longer a joke. Uh, it actually looks like they are, um, they're no longer a detriment. They look like they're intentional. Um, and as much to James' point, Will Volks has been a big part of that. They do and, play short a little more than I would prefer. But still, it, yeah. but it's working to what we got. It's using what we got and not pretending that we've got something else out there to, to do these set pieces. But I mean, even the throw-ins look better. Uh, yeah, Will Volks, long throws, better. yeah, yeah. Um, even the corners today against Norwich, they didn't go in. Um, no, they created some what they were trying to like do. It. Um, and you know, it's not 
we love Barry Bannon, but it's not Barry Bannon just skying things over everybody out there to, to see if anyone gets it in. So I just think it's it's just a massive improvement. And whether it's Darren Moore or Cisco or whatnot, um, I just think the set pieces have been uh, just again they just look they look so intentional now, um, so much cleaner. Dean, what's your uh, thumbs up from the Danny Roll era so far? Uh, well, my thumbs up's got to be the fact that we're actually looking dangerous and creating chances. I think. You know, uh, under Darren Moore, we we attack, but we I don't I don't remember us attacking the way we're attacking these days. We're, like like today, you had uh, Kadamatri closing the keeper down and winning a corner um, yeah. just outside the their own six yard box. Like I think that's a completely different style that that Danny Rolls brought, and it it's exciting to watch. We go a, we go a goal down now. You feel you know what we can get right, back like, in. even against Norwich when they're down two one. It's kind of like well, you can still get like. It's it's a it's a way to a team that's been an up and down Premier League club for a number mm-hmm. of years at this point. You're like, yeah, you can still they didn't, <laughs> but you can still get something out of the game, right? Oh, 100 percent. And I mean, you know, the, the previous three games we've scored goals in injury time in all three yeah. of them. So it's it's one of those where you know when Cisco is manager, we went a goal down. It's like, oh well, we're playing for a defeat now. Like might as well turn off. Whereas now it's like you literally have to watch till the last. <laughs> You just it's can't go. Shocking! You have to watch even... all of a Sheffield Wednesday game. I know, right? <laughs> <laughs> but I haven't had that. I haven't had that feeling in a long time, and I absolutely love it. So we can't have a thumbs up without a thumbs down. And mine is, I think they have defended well under Denny Roll generally. I mean, again, compared to Cisco, I don't know what. And this was a problem with Zisco, and it's a problem with Roll, who is not rotated as much, but still rotated. I don't know what the ideal back line is. And this is a team now that can score goals, which is good when you're in relegation scrap because you need to score goals to win games. But I just, it, you look at the first goal was against Norwich today. It's, look, they didn't close down on the edge of the box, which has been an issue all season. And look, great finish, right? You got to tip your cap and and move on. And they got their equalizer. The second goal, like just Patterson got turned and Patterson at right wing back is not ideal. Uh, And their third goal was probably probably a foul because a defender got pushed into the goalkeeper while they were heading it in. But that's, again, you create your own luck in a lot of ways. And when you're in 23rd, you have not, uh, not done that. But I do not know, like, you can point to games this year where Bamo Diaby has looked great, where Deshaun Bernard has looked great, where Akin Benwell has looked great, where Michael Heckway has looked great, but you don't have a consistent back line that you need to preserve because you're going to have to win some, some 1-0 games. They did it against Stoke, but I don't know if they can do enough of it down the stretch, and that's my concern. You want us to respond to that, Jeff? Yes, I would like someone to agreement. respond to that. Yes. Yeah, it's I been mean, a while, so we're all but... a little bit rusty here, but, you know, yeah. look, I mean, you and I are kind of playing a little bit like a double act, right? Your mm-hmm. your thumbs up is my thumbs up. My, your thumbs down is my thumbs down. My thumbs down is the caliber of this squad, right? Well, it's one thing to have a, tactical, a tactical well, it's magician, like, look, and I... it's another thing to be able to use that magician with the tools available. And I, I, I think love what you're describing Callum in the Patterson, line, but like Callum Patterson getting turned for that second goal is just like you can't do that in the championship. Well, and and that therein lies the problem, right? Yeah. Which is that you know 
we have to acknowledge that our squad is still a bunch of misfit objects. And that's not to diminish any of them individually as footballers, but we don't have a coherent... It's annoying, right? Three, if they had five, just hired Danny Roll out of the break, they'd be like 16th right now, right? If he'd had his summer and picked his players, his players, if, he had, yeah. if he'd had time. You can yeah. see but he didn't. So this is yeah. where we are. This is, where we are, this is yeah. what we have. And I think that's... I'm afraid what we have to accept to your point you know, it's not going to change dramatically because we've still got players that have got mistakes in them that maybe, you know, will get turned in a, a key moment like happened this evening. Um, look, Cameron Dawson was the hero on Sunday with the penalty save and he does really, really well in those situations. He's not that great in really obvious situations like when someone tries to head the ball at the back post. I don't even um, mind. I, I, you know, he probably should have done these, better, these but he also had a defender shoved into him. While he was trying yeah, to... I, I guess what I'm saying, though, is we, we just have to recognize what we are working with. Right, yes. And that many of the players that Rule is working with, most importantly, I think, look, this is we're not squad is going to look very different on January 20th than it's going to look on 100%. December 20th. Yeah. Yeah. We, we, look, we wasted a window. And we wasted the best part of a quarter of a season. Doesn't mean to say there aren't some good players and some good opportunities in there. And you know, you've got players like Masamba who are actually, you know, show moments absolutely so like, brilliant. It's like his actual say. like his finish against Stoke, like when he takes gets the defender on the wrong side, runs in and like you know, look at it and like he's made some very bad decisions in spots like that, but he got it absolutely dead perfect there when he needed to. So there are there are play like I don't like Masaba I think is a player Deshaun Bernard I think is a player like Diaby I think even has shown that he has like the physical strength and pace for to to be a championship level center back but it's just kind of trying to you're still trying to do square pegs and round holes right like Danny Roll's been very uh, candid like you know, when people have asked me like well I see Gregory not in the squad it's like well I have a certain way I want to play and I'm going to pick the players that can in this squad that I have right now that are going to play the way I want to play. And, you know, again, pulling up an 18-year-old striker is a is a message to Michael Smith and Lee Gregory and Josh Windass and whoever else. And look, again, I said, I, I don't know if Katamateri has quite adjusted to the physicality of the championship yet, but he looks like he can. And, and that does matter. It's like, again... We're looking for progress at this point, right? And progress is they have actually inked a uh, under twenty player to a long term deal before he can end up at a uh, Celtic. So <laughs> you you move on from there, uh, Mike. Your thumbs down. Fair enough. Is uh, um scoring still? Yeah, we have scored fourteen goals in twenty one games. So, um, but as, as just some foreshadowing the future of this podcast strikers in the championship are hard to come by yeah they are and they're expensive they're expensive and they're they're like jordan Rhodes money right yeah yeah, you can't just order them off the shelf and then hope that they deliver so uh, again i i'm glad glad that jimmy you guys say that our our biggest you know we look like a scoring threat well yeah we look like a scoring threat but we're still not we still don't have that person there it's just going to Push it over the line, um, and uh, but again, this I probably there would have were, said there this were a before, lot of, before like, I saw the, Bailey score today with a bloody yeah. nose. Um, but there were a I lot of have, moves even in this game that like, yeah, like just Callum Patterson ends up like very nice moves that Callum Patterson ends up on the end of, and like look, yeah, 
I got no beef with Calvin Patterson. I like Calvin Patterson a lot. And I like some people, Patty, but you really don't want him like goal side. No, trying to like squeeze in at, at the near post. Like this is, that's not his game. Right. No, you know, I don't know what a championship striker is. Maybe we should figure out who is the best ever championship striker. In the Jamie last Vardy, 10 probably. Years. But oh no, it's, well, uh, it, it's uh, but, David Nugent is probably the best championship striker yeah. in the last. Uh, but just someone who gets in the middle and just give me the ball, and I'll figure. I a mean, way when to they do. have had these players, it's like Stephen Fletcher and Gary Hooper. And they, it's not like they have not had these players, but they do not currently yeah. have these players. Yeah. Okay. Gary Hooper. Good idea. Yeah. Let's, um, Saudi Arabia. Uh, I know. I think he's still in Australia. He's enjoying okay. New, Zealand. Anyway, enjoying New, New Zealand. New Zealand. Yeah, sure. There will Actually, be no, 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 he's not. He's a, where, he, he came back. Didn't he come back to play in Scotland or Barnet? Yeah, sure. Barnet. There you go. Anyway. Anyway. Yeah. We still just, may, maybe Bailey, Kadima, Mary can do it. I don't know. Um, but yeah, we so, still just don't have that finisher. <laughs> Do you know who's uh, tied? I guess well, tied for top twelve, I guess in the championship scoring right now. Uh, a, a, a little lad by the name of George Hurst is. Uh... I remember that guy. Yeah, yeah. Somebody else here. Uh... Yeah, it's like Adam Armstrong at Southampton, Jack Clark at Sunderland, and you know all the people you'd expect, uh, more or less. But like paying for a championship level striker is expensive, so that is how it goes. Uh, we will wrap up this segment with who has benefited the most under the Danny Roll system, and like I filled this in last, but. Man, like Barry Bannon is playing his among his best football that I've seen recently because he can do Barry Bannon things now. He has time and space on the ball. He can do his Hollywood passes, but he's good doing the short stuff. And with Byers and Box, he's developed, a, a, I think, a pretty good relationship. And he can drop, like Justin will always talk about him like dropping back as like the defensive five, but he can do that. And there's still players up front that can can push forward and like Bernard can push forward. Niorfa when he was healthy could push forward. So that was fine with him doing that. I just, it's just a joy to watch Barry Bannon doing Barry Bannon things at this point. Uh, James, yours is uh, either Vox or Katamarte. Vox yeah, has been very I mean, good in this system. But Vox has been really good in this system. And I mean, the reason I pick Will Vox is, you know, I, I genuinely believe he's one of those players who, will always pull for the team, will always do his very best. And in League One was doing his very best in pretty much whatever system or ask was being made of him. And we were never quite sure what Darren Moore's system was. So that meant it kind of varied from week but to week. But it's like, it, just, one of the biggest differences I've noticed between League One and the championships, like League One, if you just have the players, they will get you over the line. And in the championship, you actually need a system, right? Hmm. We need a system and you also need to play the players to understand the system, which is pretty much verbatim what went wrong under Cisco. But, you know, Vox is one of those players who didn't flourish under Cisco because mm. for whatever reason, he wasn't the fit. And what I love about the way that Rule is, is approaching the squad now is he's identified that he's got a lot of assets in the championship. You know, he's a great ball player. Mm. He's agile, quick thinking. 
He's also combative, but you know, not overly physical. He moves the ball on quickly. He looks for the short pass. He's very, very effective in a pressing system. Um, he also closes space really well. And I think it's it's just been really good to see, you know, a player like Vox, who we all know has got real heart for the club, real heart for the community, real heart for the fan base, also being rewarded with time on the pitch, with an opportunity to prove himself. And, you know, who knows whether it's going to be for the long term or otherwise, but I, I kind of want to see players like that do well. And it's been rewarding to see him be a linchpin in the centre of midfield as we've started to yeah. our feet in the championship as well. So, yeah, he's he's one player I'm I'm really pleased to do well. And then Kaz, we talked about quite a lot, right? Yeah, we'll talk about him more in the Wednesday news. But, Mike, you also picked uh, Vox. And the thing with Vox is like, yeah. he's not... You know, he had some he had some really great tackles against Leicester. Um, I don't know how many, but... He had a lot of great tackles. He also had that really nice free kick early in the game too. Mm. Going back to my my point about the set pieces, so I really just do think that they've he's found something there. And I mean, yeah, those journeyman typical EFL story. The journeyman, you really don't know what their best role is. Um, I really just do think this this could be a standout position for him right now. And I think Danny Roll really has done some work. Um, yeah, uh, it's it's funny because I remember going back to our preseason um, preview, we were thinking about like whose whose season was this going to be? Is this going to be a Heckway season or or is it going to be George season? I was very big on the Heckway season. Like, look, I like yeah, Heckway, George Byers, those guys. And but no, it's it's been Patterson, Bannon, yeah. Fox. Um, it's been it's it's been really nice to see a Renaissance. It's such a mess and, too, because right, you can look at like some of the stuff that like Liam Palmer has done in recent games too, and has looked a lot more comfortable in this setup as well. Yeah. And it's just like, yeah, I mean, it's Liam Palmer. He can just do whatever. And I don't uh, like with Vox specifically too. It's not a, it's a very thankless position in this system, right? Like if you're noticing Will Vox, it's probably actually a bad thing for the quality of Sheffield Wednesday's play in the given game. Cause he's just, He's breaking up play. He's distributing. He's positionally aware, but he's not making like last ditch tackles like uh, you know Bernard and Diaby have had to do in recent games and things like that. Or he's not uh, on the front foot like players like Marvin Johnson and kind of Matari have been, or even Josh Windass uh, or Musaba in recent games. It's a it's a thankless job in the in the double pivot in a lot of cases. Uh, Demi, who's who do you think has stood out the most in, in recent weeks? Um, if you'd have asked me a couple of hours ago, I would have, uh, obviously I've got to uh, agree with Will Volks. I think he's been outstanding, but had you asked me a few hours ago, I would have said Cameron Dawson as well. <laughs> I think he needs, a, he needs a bit of a nod. Um, I saved the last four penalties he's faced. Um, and I think he's been quietly just getting on with it in, in goal. Um, it's such, such a tough position. Um, you you miss a t- miss a tackle as a striker, you've got ten players behind you to to make that tackle. But you're the last line of defence, so any mistake. And I do think he was at fault. I mean, a goalkeeper should never let it go in his near post. Um, at fault for the third goal, but um, I think he's, he's he takes a lot of stick as well. Does 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 Cameron Dawson? But and again, it's the the way they've been playing, and like even under roll, but especially under Zisco, right? Like it's the possession just got recycled back constantly in his face it's like what are you actually uh what are you actually going to do and like look yeah, goalkeepers are always you know if it's going well you're the you're the hero right <laughs> it's, but if it's going badly it's, it's there's always going to be fingers pointing if you're shipping goals whether it's your fault or not 
And I, I do think like that again, he literally just showed the defender into Cameron Dawson for the third goal. And it's a bad goal to give up, but also it's like, you know, you are at the mercy of the referees in a lot of ways. And I, I guess we're not doing like game by game coverage. It doesn't actually matter, but uh, we'll, we'll wrap it up with this. Why not? Uh, Stoke penalty or no? Absolutely not. Never a penalty. <laughs> if that's a penalty, why is it not a foul on Bernard? Because I think it Lawrence pushes Bernard yeah, yeah. down and then it quite pushes. Uh, he's doing like the, the collar, but like that came after he was like already falling back. Like he's trying to. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Never. A I do think though that if they'd have scored that penalty, we'd have lost one nil. So Probably. Think, and it's like I one of those two where it's like, why are you even touching the man when the ball is coming in like Dawson has it the whole way? But, but you also don't know that as a defender. Mm. So I guess you got to at least be shoulder to shoulder. But it was funny because like I was had the game on my second screen. I'm watching it. And like the ball comes in for Dawson. They're all pointing to the spot I'm like, what the fuck is that? And it's an away game. So I do not listen to the commentary. So it's uh, <laughs> Dawson, like absolutely terrible penalty. But he did get, look, he get he said it in the post game too. Like, like, our goalkeeping coach told me exactly where to go, and I went there, and we saved it. So that all that all matters too, right? Yeah, yeah absolutely. It's everyone says like penalties are like a, a lottery, but there's actually practice and process too. You know, Jeff, I know you want to close this segment, but I, I think actually there's something in what you just said which is actually really, really encouraging. Mm. Our goalkeeping coach told me. Right. Mm -hmm. That's Cameron Dawson really listening to the yes. coaching staff. And one of the things, you know, it's not getting a lot of credit, but one of the things Danny Rule has and, done uh, is to because bring I had the suite. Stoke broadcast for this. Stoke they hadn't had a penalty since March. So there's yeah, no well, like you have to go on the player information, right? They haven't he hasn't taken a penalty while he's been in a Stoke shirt or whatever and things like that. Right, right. And and kind of what I was getting at here is, you know, there's often a lot of com conversation about this new breed of managers being mm. stat driven, right? Yeah. They're managing to stats. They're not managing to stats, they're managing to analysis. And that's an intelligence. It kind of comes back to my point about insight, right? So mm. Danny Rule and his coaching staff, the goalkeeping specialist, this Mike was talking about too, free right? kicks it's and all, set pieces, it's, it's, set piece specialist. Always analyzing information in the course exactly, of the game. But they're, they're analyzing the totality of the team they're facing and their strengths, their weaknesses, their patterns. And what I, I think deserves credit, which maybe isn't getting at the moment, is the way the players are responding to that. So, you know, Cameron Dawson listening to the goalkeeper coach. Dimmy, to your point, he's been getting a lot of flack at the moment for playing out from the back. One of the things he's been doing is holding onto the ball, standing on the ball yeah. in order to invite the opposition press onto him so that we can play the rapid through ball and actually turn that rapidly into a transition. Fans are still adjusting right. to understanding that, but that's that is players who are responding to a coaching staff who are giving them good and advice. Like, and they you know, Bannon said, like, this is like the smartest coach I've ever worked with and things like that. And like some of that is like boilerplate, whatever, like Barry Bannon has been a, been the captain of the team in a number of years. He's been prominent. Well. Like he knows how to do his media training, right? But it does feel on some level a little bit more genuine. Like in the same way when he was doing the the post uh, playoff stuff, where it's like, yeah, but we like you actually believe that, like, yes, the Darren Moore bringing in the psychologist mattered and things like that. Like he, like Bannon, like you can kind of tell when Bannon's bullshitting, and you kind of hear that during the Cisco era <laughs> in a lot of ways. But like he actually seems to be buying in. Like he's playing some of his better football now too. 
I think one one final thought from me as well is, uh, which would have been my thumbs down had you asked me, uh, yeah. but you didn't. <laughs> well, you didn't fill out the document, which I didn't send to you, so don't worry about it. Yes. <laughs> um, was, and I guess it, it's, it's kind of a thumbs down now, but it, it, it will hopefully be a thumbs up, is the, the level of fitness of the squad. I think when Danny yeah, rolled it, yeah. you could see they were struggling to keep up with his style for like 30 minutes. Uh, 40 minutes yeah, now yeah. they're for over an hour and it's i think the squad's getting getting a lot fitter it's like we, there's uh, only so much uh as everyone on this podcast can attest that you can ask for someone over the age of 30 to run so <laughs> that is just going to be a problem right and that's the thing with uh, with kind of materi too like with the high price like he's 18 he's just gonna bloody nose you know calves cramping whatever he's just gonna keep running and they've actually been fairly, like, he's getting 55, 60, 65 minutes. They're not actually pushing him that far. But he's just going to keep running because uh, he doesn't know any better. And that's great. I love it. I love him for that. Uh, on that note, we'll take a break, cover the Wednesday news, preview the QPR fixture, and uh, talk about perhaps uh, Owls America's away. Now it's time for the Wednesday news. And like, look, we're not going to do the Wednesday news from the last six weeks. We should, we'll cover the highlights. Uh, as mentioned, Bailey Kanamateri has extended with Sheffield Wednesday before he can leave for Celtic in the summer. So we've got that going for them. And like he said all the right things, right? He wants to stay here. And like, it's a, he's starting in the championship. So it's a, it's a pretty good setup. Uh, man, he looks like a player, doesn't he, James? We've had this conversation already. It's like mm. it's like Redux. He does look like a player. Let's let's really anchor on the positive, which yeah. is like, I think you alluded to it in the last segment, Jeff. Right? This is not the Wednesday way of doing things. You right. know, I think so, somebody said to me in the week, "It's like it's like there's an adult in the room at Hillsborough all of a <laughs> yeah. sudden." And it is weird. We'll get to that in a minute. But yeah. it's it's a little bit concerning because this doesn't feel like a typical mo. It certainly doesn't feel like the typical mo of our administration, but. We have a high talent centre forward who has a lot of potential. He wants to stay to here. Blood himself in the championship, and we've tied him to what we're told is a long term contract. We mm. don't have a lot of details. We yeah, don't know yeah. the length of the contract or otherwise. It's but he enough. seems happy. The club seems happy. And, <laughs> you know, for the best of our knowledge, he's uh, he's here for eternity. So, look, I mean, let's just credit the club and the player for doing something good and for giving us all a little bit of hope and optimism at a time where we need them. They're, they're important signals, right? They're the mm. signals that give us some sense of there being something to work for, to fight for. So it's this, isn't, this isn't George Hurst. This isn't Fizz. This is, look, we, under, we are looking at our squad and we understand that this is a player. That, like, look, I'm not saying he's going to play for Wednesday for 20 years, right? Like at some point, if somebody like you, you start banging and goals in the championship at the lower half, teams are going to start coming with more money than Wednesday are going to start coming in looking, but he is signed to a long-term deal now, right? You can be a selling club and get a fee. Like it's very, very mercenary, but you can get a fee. And like, these are the things you have to do until you have, you know, the structures in place, right? And Danny Roll specifically said, like, again, this is just this is no different than being like, I know what I need out of my squad, right? So I know what I need out of my club. And Danny Roll clearly has faith in him as well. Yeah. So that's good. And like, like, look, if they if 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 nineteen year old Billy Katamateri is shipping twenty goals for us next year, still in the championship and and pushing on, like, okay, okay, fine. Like that's let's go. 
but it is it is a signal that's like no uh we understand that it's just it's a simple thing like we understand this player is good and we want to secure our ability to get a fee for him if it comes to that mm-hmm. when i hope uh see him banging goals in blue and white stripes or you know the the bloody derby kit <laughs> literally in this case uh as it was today uh to that note uh they have hired uh i'm like i should have looked up his first name but former uh arsenal man U again <coughs> they have a head of recruitment that is the important part right a a well-regarded head of recruitment uh, it is Kevin Beadle, I think. Is that right? Yes. Uh, he is a new head of recruitment for Sheffield Wednesday. He has worked for Alex Ferguson. He has worked for Arsenal. I keep hearing things like this. Obviously, like hiring Danny Roll and hiring, letting Danny Roll hire his own staff. And it seems so out of step with what? Our issues. I'm already, the, yeah, yeah, we're already it's ready. Like, to, like this does, it. like, what, what, why are people signing up for this, James? You're, you're ready for the next shoe to drop. Yeah. You're wondering how is Siri going to screw this yeah. one up? <laughs> this is a, this is a well, it's like, you look at this guy's CV and, like, why is he at Sheffield Wednesday? So, one of the things that I think is true, I think it's true in sports, it's definitely true in kind of, you know, wider business life, right? Is, People get a sense of who they like to work with, and they tend to gravitate towards people. Right. You don't work for a company. You don't work with. for a company. You work for your boss. You work, work for your boss, but you yeah. also work for your network, right? You yeah. get you get to know people. You get to know their styles. You get comfortable with them. You also know where they have capabilities that you don't have, and so on and so on. And I think right at this moment, Wednesday are benefiting enormously from the magnetic pull and the network. That Danny Rule very early in his career has developed, right? He's got good associations. You with say people very early in his career, but like if you look at where he has worked so far, well, like, I'm, I know I'm he's only, younger I'm than I'm all only, of us. I'm only yeah. saying relative, relative yeah. to us all yeah, goats yeah. on here, right? But no, I mean where he's worked, but but that's also how you develop a network. You develop a network by working in lots of different places. But he has worked at major football institutions, big clubs, the German Football Federation. That's where you make these contacts, and that's how you're then able to say, hey, come with me on this journey. Come work with me at Sheffield Wednesday. And believe it or not, our brand, our club, our badge still has currency. Yeah. Despite all the crazy like, that we've gone I'm through, like all Danny, the kind of like, rubbish that's the a funny thing. Years, like Danny, still do want yeah, to work for Sheffield But like Danny yeah. Roll has currency is the thing I think we're yeah. all discovering shortly, right? And it's good that the results have started to turn because there's like a scenario where he gets fired in February, and now it's like... No, you have to let him play this out. You've got to let him play it out yeah. for as long as we can because yeah. there'll be a point in time when he's attractive yeah. to somebody else. But, you know, what we've got to aim for is, you know, frankly, what we're seeing Ipswich do right now, right? Which is that they've played the long game with McKenna. They've seen the benefit of it. And he's proving what they can do at the top end of the championship. Now, Wednesday are doing it utterly in reverse. We, <laughs> we, got, we dug our way out of League yeah. One and now we're starting on the long-term journey. And it's... It, it's purely going to be in the lap of the gods whether we can hang on to this guy and this team for long enough to see the benefit of it. But if you play the long game here, whether we go down into League One and come back up or whether we survive by the skin of our teeth and we're able to reset and go again next year, that's the play. you you got to bet on this because we don't get many rolls of the dice like this where we have this type of connections and these types of It is. I feel like they just accidentally hired like one of the five best managers in this league. 
despite well, the, the squad issues. Maybe, yeah. maybe we didn't hire him in the summer. Yeah, fair enough. Then, yeah, so correct that's mistake. where you get back to reality. Yeah. Uh, news. Uh, Wednesday, uh, have been drawn for the FA Cup third round. It's nice not to be in the first two rounds, I suppose, is the, the moral of the story here. But uh, <laughs> a very, very FA Cup third round. Fixture, uh, home against Cardiff. Great. Awesome. Thanks. Um, my <laughs> general opinion, <laughs> my general opinion on this is just, I, I am one of the, uh, the Americans that does still enjoy the magic of the cup and things like that. Literally, I'm going to say this, uh, start the 14 year old Katamateri up front. Do not put anyone <laughs> in this squad <laughs> for this match that could in any way, uh, impact the relegation scrap and just focus on the league so i'm not joking start the 14 year old that's right that's fair yeah what makes me laugh is every year the fa cup third round gets drawn and every year everyone's disappointed with the tie yeah because to be honest there's only only really four or five good ties that you want yeah. right like you either want a big premier league team uh at their place or you want wrexham <laughs> yeah like they got everton like a couple of years ago it's just like yeah, yeah. I think best one was Brighton because it's just like Brighton, like we played Brighton in the championship. Like, what's, what are we doing here? It's funny that that, that Newcastle FA Cup game seems like it was five years ago. Yeah, fair enough. Mm. Anyway, was that the third round or the fourth round? Uh, it was the fourth round, I think. Well, there you go. Yeah. Uh, nah. Then they lose an incredibly stupid faction in the fashion in the return fixture with another. Was damn Fleetwood. Was it Fleetwood? It was Fleetwood again. It was that month of Fleetwood. Yeah, the month of Fleetwood. Like the month of Fleetwood, yeah. Uh, I threw this in the notes because this is, I guess, the the recent news. I I will phrase this as a question to the group. Uh, Is Wednesday for sale? No. I would say it's always for sale, but yeah. not seriously. Only for sale at the right price, Jeff. And that's sure, the price but I mean, there's that been a lot of many... statements made about negotiations that may or may not exist. No, there's no, and... there's no serious buyer right now. I don't, I don't think there is. You're not here for Red Bull Wednesday. Yeah. I would, well, in a heartbeat. <laughs> I think all of us would for the for the reason that you know what that brand represents in terms of long term investment coaching infrastructure, you know, kind of, you know, development of players. Don't bet on, don't bet against the scenario, though, that slowly but surely someone else emerges within Sheffield Wednesday that could be a future owner. By which I say, you know, we we think about sales transactions one to another. Mm-hmm. Um, sometimes somebody takes a minority state, they start to build up, influence sure. emerges, things change. So, that actually could be a very good result for Wednesday because like or loathe, and everybody's on either side of the divide when it comes to our current chairman, he does keep on financing this football club. And what is happening right now is not happening without somebody bankrolling it. It's, so it's a very I would weird, love to understand the football yeah. finances behind it. Many of us don't have yeah. access to that, but that I think is the really interesting dynamic. It's a very right. weird dichotomy, right? Because you know, Danny Roll can, on some level, pick his job, right? Given his his background, like there's there's better championship setups. And you look at what you know, we will talk about with with QPR in a minute too, where 
it's you know this isn't a you know a highfalutin London London football club and things like that and you know he could have gone to a more progressive setup you know he, would you have been shocked if he ended up at like Brentford at some point right like he could he could wait that out and so, something has encouraged him and something has encouraged his coaching staff and something has encouraged the new the head of transfers and it, it's a weird dichotomy isn't the right word but it's a weird disconnect right because you watch you watch the quality of the football on the field and the multiple statements uh coming from the club over the course of the year like why would anybody want to come here oh well, you look at the look at the people he's brought in like you said they yeah. had a recruitment chris powell another chris one powell, yeah but we we got him as an not even an assistant coach as a, an assist uh, as a coach um his uh, assistant coach or um yeah. Uh, he stepped down from a manager role in uh, okay was some team in wherever um but still the fact that someone's stepping down from a manager from being the man to being supportive is is a huge is a huge statement right and again it's all being bankrolled uh by that the that's the ultimate thing right and like look you can you can make whatever statements you want you can have whatever aspirations you want for for owning the club, but this and all, like, it, all it takes is a couple of comments, as yeah. we saw with uh, with the old uh, Patriots. Was it today or yesterday? Yeah. Uh, you, one report, one story on X, and all hell can break loose, right? So yeah, so, yeah like then running it, running a championship football club is really fucking expensive, mm-hmm. and look the. You know, the Leffings Lane end doesn't look great and the stadium probably needs to be remodeled and all those things, but at 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 the end of the day, like stuff seems to be moving in a direction. I don't know why. I don't I won't speculate as to why, but it does kind of you know, fall into the devil you know versus the devil you don't in a lot of cases. It's much nicer when we have uh no statements and no nothing from the chairman coming out at 11 o'clock on a Monday night, you know, and it's just, <laughs> let's just focus on Danny and yep. his revolution. Yeah. And let's focus on QPR coming up at the weekend. This is once again, a proper podcast and a proper, I wasn't very cash requires a proper match preview. Uh, Justin's not here. I have Justin's notes. But instead of just reading out Justin's notes, we have an actual guest. It is the championship. We can get actual guests. Fans of teams like QPR. And joining us from QPR, NYC, is Dustin. Dustin, how's it going? Going all right. Thank you very much. How are you? I'm ready. It's a, they're all relegation six-pointers in a way uh, when you're this far into the season and this far down in the table. But uh, gearing up for another one, as it were. Yeah, basically every week. So, yeah, looking yeah. forward to it. It's been a while since we've been to Hillsborough, so bring it on. Yeah, uh, Justin is always nice enough to include the the last matches. And obviously, last time Wednesday was in the championship in 2021. 2020-2021. Uh, you beat us 4-1 at Loftus Road in a, uh, a 1-1 draw at Hillsborough. I have no memory of the, uh, that whole season. is just a blur at this point. All I remember is the dumb penalty against Darby in the last five minutes of uh, the last day of the season. That's all I need to remember. That will never leave me. 
But QPR off to a better form lately, but obviously off to a rough start. The big news, it's not recent news, but uh, Gareth Ainsworth went from the longest tenured manager at any club to one of the shortest tenured managers at any club after his time at QPR. Uh, Marty Sofuentes in. What's been the biggest change that you've seen in the football, uh, outside of the results, obviously, since the managerial shift happened? It's night and day. Um, under Ainsworth, it was extremely negative. Uh, our most talented players were being played out of position. They were being played out wide and told to fire the ball in up top to, to the big man. Um, the, I, I think the, the, the biggest change, as far as I'm concerned, is how we're playing the ball out the back. So Ainsworth, as soon as we were getting the ball, like the keeper was launching it, the central defenders are told to launch it. What we're seeing under uh, apparently Fifwentes, as as our okay. as, as as our as our hero manager has uh, has has told us. Um, it, what we're doing now is we are playing the ball out the back more. It's a lot more short balls. It's about uh, like playing the ball out of the back and through the midfield. Whereas I think what was happening with, with us early in the season, like our defenders were getting injured every week because they were launching the ball and the ball's coming back and they're playing, they're, they're playing on the back foot and they had too much of the ball. And it feels like now... We're playing the ball out the back. There's not as much pressure on the defence. So the ball's being played through the midfield. It's actually really, it's quite attractive football. But the big difference between uh, like Sifuentes and, and um, when McBeal was in charge was it feels like there's a lot more steel in the midfield. So they're, they're playing good football, but they are actually getting stuck in as well. So um, they're gritting out draws where it would have been defeats. They're getting wins when it would have been a, well, a defeat, <laughs> frankly. Um, the the football under Ainsworth was so insipid and it just wasn't how QPR were built as a squad to play. So we had Warburton, we had Beal, we had Critchley. All three of those were ball-playing teams. You're then asking players who aren't used to playing a system that then play a very old school type of long ball football and it just wasn't successful well the important thing is do you have a the key to any gareth ainsworth system if you've i don't know why you would have voluntarily watched wickham over the last few years but is do you have a goalkeeper that can lay down and pretend to be injured for 45 minutes of the game well, as 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 Medvedevich is thirty six, so when he <laughs> dives, it does take Good. him a while to get back up again. Uh, <laughs> but no, like I, I, I you know, it, it, I, you know, being flippant aside, it, it it did feel like the spoil. You know, there were there were quite a few spoiling tactics, and you know, you'd see the usual players, you know, go down holding an ankle, they'll be fine. It was, it, I mean, I don't like. You know, I, I'm going to preface this by saying. As a man, I loved Gareth Ainsworth as a player. I hated him as a manager. And I'm slightly dubious about his dress sense. Uh, very much a divorce dad energy on the touchline. The double jacket look was not a good one. Um, but no, you know. Look, there's, I, there's like divorce dad energy that can, can work in modern football. Like Sean Dyche has divorce dad energy. But it's a different kind yeah. of divorce dad. Do you know what though? But th this divorce dad energy was working its ass off down the club. Do you know what I mean? Like, <laughs> you know, he he, uh, he you know he was a lead singer of a rock band. Yeah. But very recently, 
Very, very recently. Sean Dice, you just give set. the keys to the pub when you leave for the night, basically, if you're the man. Right. Yeah, yeah. It, it, exactly. <laughs> Could you imagine Sean Dice dressed, dressed in two leather jackets and like wing? No, but I want to see it now, basically. <laughs> nobody needs to see that, my friends. <laughs> but, but I think, yeah, it's, oh man, like I, I say as a player, great player, but, and, and it was weird that his style of football was very, it, it was like, it's very league one, right? Like, he he managed. A, yeah. He had a lot of success with Wickham in the lower leagues and he's like, th- that's the, that's what you do. Well, you know what? I think that's the thing with Wickham. Like, you know, what everyone forgets is that like Wickham were a non-league team. They got themselves up and, and you know, they, they basically, uh, is, can I say shit housed? Yeah, their yeah, way. I'm going to say it anyway, but you know, they, they, you know, that, that's what, that's who they were. That's that what is they both did. a technical term, and we're very liberal with our use of profanity on this show, anyway. So, fantastic. Hey, Jeff, I, do you I, mind I, if I just interrupt with a quick yeah, question? Yeah, um, it's really one for our American listeners. Um, Dunstan, yeah. us Northerners, uh, or those expatriate Northerners amongst us, tend to be quite um, derogatory towards the good people of Wickham because we've got no bloody idea where it is. It's like a <laughs> petrol station on the way to London. As a, uh, as a, as a Londoner, as a Southerner. Yeah. Where's Wickham? What is Wickham? A, is it a place? It, it's a petrol station on the way to London. No. <laughs> it's uh it's basically like a commuter town in Buckinghamshire. It's sort of um, you know, you've got like Oxford Reading, like the M4 corridor. It's kind of up the A40, which is sort of more heading towards Birmingham. It sort of turns off and upwards. Um, so yeah, um it's sort of sort of nondescript in the middle of nowhere. Yeah, perfect. I just wanted to make sure that it wasn't just a northern assumption. It's actually something that all British people hold to be true, which is Wickham really is just a stop on the way to somewhere else. Mate, to be honest, if you ask most people in London, they wouldn't be able to tell you where Wickham is. <laughs> there we go. Anyway, Gareth Ainsworth's going back there. Now we can go back to talking about QPR. Yeah. It's, uh, to be honest, Gareth Ainsworth will probably do exceptionally well if he, if he went back there. You know, yeah, he probably he just, he, I, I, I just don't think he was tactically aware or tactically good enough for the championship. It was like he had one way of doing things. I mean, at the end of the season, we got extremely lucky with the Burnley away game and the Stoke away game. Back-to-back wins have pretty much kept us up because the rest of that 15-16 game spell, we didn't look like getting a point. It was, was, I mean, Rob Dickey basically shoved his face in the ball on the goal line about six (laughs) times in the first 10 minutes and we rode our luck from there on in. And, um, you know, it, it, it took uh, 30, no, 52-year-old Chris Martin to, to basically, you know, get his head on the ball with about two minutes to go. And that that, that got the win. It was, um, I mean, it, it was it was daylight robbery. So I'm curious. I, I guess it's just a Gareth Ainsworth segment now. Well, what was, uh, <laughs> well, so you've entered obviously the, obviously the previous managers and the current manager, and he sticks out like a sore thumb. What do you think was yeah. the, what was the intention? When they went out and brought in Gareth Ainsworth, like not that he wasn't wow. a successful League One manager, moving up to the Championship, I guess fine, fair enough as it goes, but it's Gareth Ainsworth. This was a political move, right? So all of all of the prior managers that we mentioned were uh, as a result of the director of football Les Ferdinand having a plan. His plan was to build a squad and and through the academy there is going to be a QPR style of playing football and it is going to be basically uh, decent football being played out from the back. Now, 
our chairman, Amit Bhatia, decided because Critchley didn't work that he was going to bring his own man in. I don't think if Ainsworth had played for QPR, he would have even been considered. That's how um, random it was. And it was at odds with everything the club had been doing and wanted to do going forward. Now, obviously, the Mick Beal departure threw us into complete disarray. So all of, I mean, he literally joined, tried to join Stoke, tried to join Wolves, turned around and told us that he was going to be loyal, that it, it would look really bad on the players that he brought in if he was going to be the first one out. And then two weeks later, joined Glasgow Rangers, having been up there the week before to watch a game against Aberdeen. So in terms of um, like the plan, it got thrown into disarray. And I think what was interesting is that the guy that was next in line, who almost who was considered for the job before Bill was uh, was Neil Critchley. Um, it started off well, you know, we got uh, an away win at Preston. And there was a real sliding doors moment, which was against Sheffield United. Now I know you said I'm not allowed. I'm that I'm allowed to swear. <laughs> Did I need to call them something else for this? But anyway, they scored in the with the, with the last kick of the game to make it one all. Had that goal not gone in, I think Critchley would probably still be our manager now. Because what then happened is we went to Fleetwood, had a disastrous FA Cup exit in the third round, which is our usual speed. Mm. And he then comes very, out. Very familiar and, with the uh, Fleetwood away fixture. It's a very, right, very right. narrow pitch. Uh, <laughs> the camera can't but show he, you corner kicks. Yeah, yeah, it's one of those. Yeah, he came out and absolutely <laughs> slated the team. Mm. And from that point on, the team down tools. So Critchley was never going to be long for that world. Um, and then I think Batty has come in and just said, sorry, Les, you've had your go. I'm bringing my man in. Which, and then unsurprisingly, with a team that, isn't built to play that football when you're lumping it up top to Ilias chair, who's about five foot three and uh, rep, rep, represents Mordor, sorry, Morocco. Um, you know, it, it was kind of, um, it, it was, it just made no sense. Les Ferdinand left in the summer. Um, there was conjecture about why he left. And I think some of that was, well, what's the point in me being here if, if you're going to make the decisions and then Amit Batia left after Ainsworth uh, was sacked. So there was a lot of people falling on swords. There was a lot of, I mean, the fans are disgruntled. We didn't know whether we were coming or going. The football team was just a busted flush. The product was poor. We went on spectacular runs of poor form at home to the point where in over a year we hadn't scored more than one goal at home. Hold on, um, Dunster, are you sure you're talking about QPR and not Sheffield Wednesday? Well, this is it. I, I always felt we were kind of twins. You're, you're our northern cousins, do you know what mm. I mean? It's like we uh, just kind of like went through, you said sliding doors moment. It's like we just rotated the stripes in like a 90 degree change and off we go. Well, this is this is bad for podcasts, but if I point at you and you point at me, we can recreate the Spider-Man <laughs> meme. So I did a, uh, many, many years ago in my in my early baseball blogging days, I think it was after that. So it would have been what the 2014 uh, World Cup. Is that the right year? Yeah, it's the right year. Had a very very strong stout. Uh, I did like a like a Mets fan guide to what team you should pick to root for, and actually QPR came up along with Wednesday and some others as well, because like QPR has a lot of the little brother in the big city 
kind of vibes too. Ownership that's kind of always all over the place. Managers like Harry Redknapp. Uh, and it is just kind of, it's like the Ainsworth thing is funny because like obviously he played for QPR for a long period of time. And every time the Wednesday managerial gig comes up, which is obviously very often, you'll get like, at like 50 to one on the bookies odds will be like Roland Nelson, right? Cause there's always the, there's always the impetus bringing that bring back the club legend. Right. And like, like Nelson's, right. managed, Nelson's managed a little bit in Sweden too and things like that. But like, it's just like bring back the club legend and it never, it very rarely if ever works out. And then here you are. Well, that, that, that's it. And and I think it, it was always going to be destined to fail mm. because of the complete yep. change of style. Um, and you know what? I, th- I think you're right. And and the the comparison with the Mets with QPR is the fact that we're still paying now for you know eight years down the line for our FFP. It's like that FFP fine is like the Bobby Bonilla contract yeah, yeah. of uh, of of you know football. I mean, okay, we didn't take a points deduction, but you know the I, I think this is it. We're, you know, our owners Look, have. If you just give Harry Redknapp a little more money, he will. <laughs> I, Honestly, it's like, you know, I looked at that team and the lone players we brought in that year and it was always hardly surprising that we ended up where we ended up. But, you know, the the fact of the matter is the club was too stupid to think that they, you know, they thought they'll get away with it. And, you know, the the chairman at the time was, uh, uh, he was the CEO of the O2 Arena. And at that time we were looking at, and funnily enough, it was a 10 year anniversary yesterday of when we announced our new stadium that was to be built in Old, Old, Old Oak Common, which uh, still remains uh, on the draft room floor, like the drawings on the draft room floor, because they fell out with Car Giant, who used to sponsor us, who owned the land. It was like we could not do a damn thing right. So, you know, we're, we're, we're forever to be stuck in the, the upturned shoebox that's Loftus Rose. Um, you know, it, it's home and it's ours, but... You know, we all know there's no leg room there. Much like Chase um, Stadium, it is. It's, yeah, it's, right. It's, it's our. It's <laughs> yeah. a concrete toilet bowl, but it's our concrete toilet bowl. But that's the thing. Like you know, we we overspent and, and we 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 suffer we've, we've suffered ever since. Um, but the good thing is, and I think you know, they brought in a CEO who's not very popular, mm-hmm. uh, a guy called Lee Hoos, who is, who was Burnley. He oversaw Burnley's promotion. He was at Fulham, so he actually knows how to run a football club, a club, not just a, a very big arena in London. Um, and he um, makes unpopular decisions, but we've not defaulted against FFP yet. So, you know, no, you can't have money for that Wickham centre-half. Good. Don't want him. You know, can we not overspend again? Can we please learn our lessons? And, you know, for as, as a fan base, it's been frustrating because we're desperate for a striker. And we cannot afford one. Uh, we're, again, we're are you talking that, about QPR or Sheffield Wednesday? <laughs> again, uh, I'm, I'm pointing at you. You're pointing yeah. back at me. Um, but it feels, it, you know, I'm, I'm hoping that because Sifuentes came from Hammerby in mm. Sweden. Yeah. Um, very, hoping... very progressive club, if you know the Swedish uh, top division. I don't know why you would. Right. But yeah, very, very well regarded. <laughs> again, like all those things, you know, I have to work on a budget and things like that. Had success in Europe and things like that. Yeah. Play good football yeah, as well. So, um, th- thanks to YouTube and clips on Twitter or X or whatever, I've I've, mm. I've seen their style of play. And yeah. you know, QBR as a fan base on Twitter were just like, "What what what is happening here? 
the ball's on the floor, it's being passed between players. Like this, this is who we're getting, and it was yeah. obviously the excitement levels were palpable. Um, but yeah, like with um, uh, sorry, I lost my thread there for a moment. Carry on. So I guess we should actually talk about the game that is uh, sure. <laughs> that is coming up this weekend. So who, as a as a QPR fan, who is the player that Wednesday have to be most concerned about? Who do they need to stop to get a result? Okay, so who you need to stop to get a result um, is Ilias Chair. Mm. So Ilias Chair is our basically creative engine. And I'm going to go very quickly back to the Ainsworth thing for one second because he had, we also have a player called Chris Willock. When Willock and Chair play together, they, they create chances, they score goals. Ainsworth fell out with Willock and he never played during his tenure. But again, the style of play that Ainsworth was playing wouldn't have allowed for the Chair-Willock partnership to blossom. What, what you'll find is that we a lot of our attacks come down the left-hand side because Willock and Chair naturally drift that way, leaving a, a, like a vast space for you guys to attack yeah. down the right-hand side. So whoever's on your left should be having quite an interesting time of it. Um, and again, it all depends on who we're playing. Now, because the games are coming thick and fast, uh, what Sifuentes is doing is he's bringing a lot of squad players in. So today against Plymouth, we had Charlie Kelman up front, who is not a particularly prolific striker. Um, against Preston, he, he sat chair for a half and then brought him on. And when he brought him on, he created havoc. And you can definitely tell when the talented players like Chair and Willock aren't playing. You nullify them, we have very little goal threat. So Lyndon Dykes, the Scottish centre-forward, he, he's up front on his own. Not Again, does not score a lot of goals, but he's a hard-working... He'll, he'll give your centre-halves a, a, you know, a, a bit, bit, of a, bit of a going over. Um, it, it's quite... His style of play is quite abrasive, quite attritional... Very good hold-up player. Yeah. Now, if you can isolate Cher and Willock away from Dykes, that ball's going nowhere. You'll win it back. However, if Dykes has time to get the ball, lay it off to Cher and Willock, that's when things happen for QPR. Um, we also have Paul Smith, if he starts, down the right-hand side. Now, he had a really decent, at the back end of the last, well, first half of the season with Leighton Orient in League Two. Um, he, he's got propensity to score goals from ev everywhere. Not seen it so much for us this season, um, but he, he's quite tricky. Down, he's quite quick. Uh, we'll get down the right-hand side and can cut inside your fullback or get around him. His crossing isn't the best, so your best bet is to force him out wide. But, you know, there, there, there's definitely... It, it's, it's one of two things. It's, if, if you can kind of break that down... Like and, and stop the stop the Dykes uh, interact interaction with midfields uh, midfielders. I, I can see us struggling to get goals. Um, before Sifuentes, our top strike, uh, top goal scorer was with three was Kenneth Powell, our left back. That will tell you our problem with goal scoring. However, until today, prior we scored eight goals in three games, and that is a direct result of Chair, Willock, Smith, all contributing, whether it's assisting or scoring, and it basically that that final third being functional, whereas prior it just wasn't. It would break down. I described it on Twitter as 
basically going and playing a round of golf with the best clubs. You, you know, the, you drive it off the tee straight. You can get, you know, a, approach play to the green is fine. But then you realize you left yeah. your putter at home and you yeah. can't finish. So, again, the Spider-Man pointing meme is appropriate. Right. <laughs> <laughs> so so what's brilliant about this? So, so what it, we're saying is nil-nil. <laughs> yeah, nil-nil, or it could be a four-all classic. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? So I will say the one thing that gives me some uh, some hope here from what, what you described is, I will say under Danny Roll, I think they have, they've done some various things with the midfield three. I expect it'll be Bannon, Box, and Byers. And uh, Box and Byers have just, they they're very much have been anonymous, but in that like British double pivot anonymous way where they do all the dirty work and break that stuff up. Right. Where they can give you a handle, but they're not doing anything fancy, but you don't notice them because the ball is just pinging around the midfield constantly. Right. So I guess we'll see how that uh, that how that plays out from there. That I I think that's the key battle there. If you if you play with a midfield three, mm-hmm. and we've got um, Chair Willock, and and actually our, our the the guy that does the dirty work for us is a guy called Sam Fields. Mm-hmm. Um, so he he basically is the one who he'll pick up a yellow card now and again. In fact, he picked one up after ninety seconds. Right. I, uh, I, I expect it's going to look like a four three three versus a four three three or a four five one versus a four five one is needed basically. So right, yeah. Hey, Dunstan, you said something interesting though. You said that Willock and Chair like to uh, like to attack down your left, <laughs> yeah, right? which leaves leaves oh, right, space right, open on your Callum, right. Callum Patterson on the uh, it, that we're I, going. I wasn't uh... thinking of Patterson. Actually, it, it's yet another mm-hmm. area in which these two clubs are eerily similar. You yeah. were you were talking about Gareth Amesworth alienating players. In fact essentially important players. We had exactly the same experience over Cisco, um, where he alienated half the squad, one of whom was Marvin <laughs> Johnson, um, who, right. uh, who's come back into favour, back from Dubai over the last few weeks, but can be very effective down our left-hand side, um, especially as an overlapping wing-back. So it'll be interesting to see if that plays out. You know, even if that midfield battle drags across the left, if it does open up space, Wednesday on the counter actually can be probably a little bit more effective than we were a few weeks ago. So that's, uh, that's maybe a bit encouraging for us. And just to give you a little bit more encouragement, lads, I think it's going to depend on who we play at right back. So we have got uh, Osman Kakai, who basically has one good game out of about four or five. Um, Or Reggie Cannon, who's an American right back who we picked up recently on a free. But his match fitness hasn't allowed him to play consistent games. So what Sifuentes is doing at the minute is uh, there's a lot of squad rotation. Um, and it'd be interesting, again, in the centre of midfield, like whether we play Andre Dezel or whether we play a kid who was in the Liverpool Academy who's been starting to be uh, given some minutes called Elijah Dixon Bonner. Now, Dixon Bonner is more of your box-to-box and like he's got legs, whereas Dezel kind of floats around a bit. And from what you were saying about your midfield three feels a bit like more of a Dixon Bonner than a Dezel game, but with the proviso that Jack Callback has been injured. And if he's able to come back in, I could see him being able to be, I don't know, facing up with Volks and it being quite a competitive battle there. Um, but yeah, absolutely. If, if, if you do have like speed down the right-hand side, I, I would hope that the selection is Reggie Cannon if he can stay fit for the 90 minutes. All right. After an appropriately long and winding road in this segment, we will uh, we'll put you on the spot for an official match prediction. 
Oh, Christ. Um, <laughs> one all. Yeah, that sounds about right, doesn't it? Yeah, if it it just feels like a one all game. A month ago, everyone walks asked, everyone walks away a little upset, right? Yeah. Or, or do you know what? Or everyone walks away thinking, yeah, okay. You know, we didn't lose, we didn't win, but you know, a month ago, I you know, I I I, I was joking around saying, I could, is it possible to have a minus one minus one draw? Because it just felt like two teams like sleepwalking their way into league one for you know again for both of us and you know it's you know we, we we both know what an absolute horror show it is down there and how tough it is to get back up once you've gone down so i think you know with um you know da danny roll um and sifuentes it feels like we've got both got some hope in terms of how the rest of the season is going to shape up um, I think what's interesting, uh, when I was chatting to the the, the New York Owls, um, they were mentioning that sort of Roll tends to play the Gagan press mm -hmm. or a version of. And I think what's going to be interesting is that it's actually, that sets up for quite a fascinating style with the way that we're playing out of the back. And if you guys, you know, it, it's going to be a case of, if you guys press us, we, we can make mistakes at the back. We are gettable. But at the same time, we also have the ability and the, and the quality to play out of a press. This is what we see in a lot of these games. It's they're very, very open. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, bring it on. I, I, I think what, what's funny about this is that, you know, we, we lack pace apart from Paul Smith. Hmm. So if, you know, chair, chair is not particularly quick, we're... Willock was, but he's had so many hamstring injuries. It's like Michael Owen. Every time he had a hamstring injury, he just got that little bit slower and a little bit slower and a little bit slower. So it kind of feels like, you know, with Willock and Chair, it's about using their ability and their skill to get around defenders, not raw pace. Um, Dykes absolutely has no pace. Um, it's like, you know... He's yeah, just a proper League One game, no pace anywhere. Yeah, do you know what I mean? He's a proper lower championship, <laughs> upper, upper League One lump. Yeah. So, but if, if they do play Smith and, you know, we, we can break the break the press, mm. get the ball to Smith, I think that's potentially where um, we could profit. The, the interesting one will be in the, who's on the bench because the other pace we've got is a, is a lad called Sinclair Armstrong who has come up through the under-21s. He's currently playing for Ireland under-21s. This guy is a beast. He is big, he's strong, he's quick, but he cannot finish. He cannot stay on side. He <laughs> cannot, for the life of him, choose the right ball. Yeah. So he's, so he's one of these. So, got... so him and Anthony Musaba will have a, have a day of it, basically. Yet more Spider-Man <laughs> memes. <you know? laughs> So yeah, yeah I yeah. think it, it, this really does have have the the makings of like a cup tie feel yeah. to it. Um, but does, I, especially with, with the momentum that it creates as well, right? I mean, right. the uh, the thing I'm taking out of this entire conversation, Dunstan, is what it really requires is for us both to put Millwall and Stoke into the bottom three. Like if we <laughs> oh, can do that, then everyone, everyone wins, right? Yeah, yeah. Well, that that's the thing. I you know as as we as we would um, mentioned before we we got on the call. You know, in the last six weeks, this division has concertinaed at the bottom. So it feels like there's a mini league of of eight hmm. with another couple on the threshold to be pulled into it. 
Um, you know, various manager cliches. It's a marathon, not a sprint. There's a long way to go and there's a lot of points to be played for. But I think as we've both proven over the last month, like you guys have what, seven points in the last four. We've got 10 in the last four, you know. And then as we're doing this, we're looking at Stoke. We're looking at Millwall. We're looking at Swansea and Birmingham. And, you Stoke know, all of a fucking sudden awful. But right. it's also like Stoke I, are always fucking awful. So I have no frame of reference for whether that means they're good or not. <laughs> right. Stoke, Stoke are dreadful. Millwall is surprisingly bad. Yeah. Um, you know, they, 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 there are absolutely teams that, as this season goes on, are going to run and out. And you can look at, like, once they got a point at home against Leicester, and, like, Leicester, yeah. like, Leicester controlled that. Like, look, Leicester's going up. It's whatever. But they controlled right. that complete game. They controlled that game, but couldn't really do anything with it. Right. And and I think the th and that, that's the thing, again, we're going to go back to every cliche under the sun, difficult league, everyone can beat yeah. everyone, it's, you know, yada, yada, yada. But it's true. And I think you guys, that that, that um, late goal, and by the way, Jeff Hendrick, <laughs> the worst player to pull a QBR shirt He has not been good. Uh, yeah, until, like, he plays for Reading, he scores two worldies against us. It's like an absolute quandary of a player. But will pop up with a goal and it's like that that's my prediction actually i'm going to change it one okay. nil jeff hendrick gets the winner okay i, um, I can sign I, off on I, that I, no I, no the I, segment the segment is over dustin thank you for joining us <laughs> uh and we'll 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 hear from you for the return fixture If you haven't figured it out by now, uh, we will be announcing the host site for the 2024 OAOA. Uh, take it away, Dimmy. Hey, guys. Uh, as you can probably guess, <laughs> Owls Americas is leaving the USA and mm. heading what? to Canada. It's plural. Americas. Oh. Yeah. Americas. Uh, yeah. Uh, Owls Americas is coming to Canada. Uh, Halifax, to be exact, Nova Scotia, April the 27th, 2024. And I am very excited to welcome you all. Uh, hopefully we'll have a good turnout. Um, survival Saturday, I believe it's going to be termed, is the plan. What does one Safety. do in Halifax, Safety, Nova Scotia? Uh, well, we have the highest amount of bars per capita uh, anywhere in Canada. I believe it's maybe in North America, so... There will be lots of drinking involved. It's you or Wisconsin, uh, basically. Some, some. There's some small town in Wisconsin that's like seven bars for 25 people or something, probably. But yeah, I really, yeah, it's, <laughs> it was pretty high. And uh, April's a really good time as well. It's right at the beginning of the season, so uh, hotels should be pretty cheap. Um, I'm actually, um, I'm actually trying to get a deal with a with a couple of hotels to see if we can't get some rooms. Uh, so I've already got a couple of eyes in the fire there. I've got some plans for um, for the bars and pubs we're going to go to, but I've got to finalize uh, finalize a few more bits and bobs. Um, but yeah, really excited. So, um, Timmy, which uh, which match is that? Oh crap! I should have checked that. It's Millwall, it's Millwall <laughs> away, isn't it? Millwall. Is it Millwall? Millwall away? It's a prestige fixture. <laughs> this is you know, might get Plus. That might be a that might be a six pointer. These, yeah, these away days. Oh, no, West Brom at home. Oh, well, okay. oh, never mind. Well, yeah. that's, that's, that's nowhere near as exciting. <laughs> who, who, who wants to play the Maggies? Hey, Dimmy, I've, um, I, I feel like I'm going to live a lifelong ambition here because I've, I've flown over Halifax, Nova Scotia countless times, but I've never set foot on the island. Yeah. So and I think I, several uh, of us... 
when I was going the majority up, of people fly to England yeah. or fly to Europe come over Halifax yeah. fly over it so so for those of us in New York there's quite a few of us who are actually seriously contemplating a road trip up the east coast you should just do to it, kind of really, you know yeah. to experience the trajectory but on the ground not in a plane and for anyone who's interested from Europe it's a good hour closer to Europe it's in a different time Boston zone as we established. And it's yeah. in a different time zone. Dimmy is actually an hour ahead of us, yeah. or an hour and a half ahead of us right now, I don't know. An hour ahead of you, yeah. An hour, there you go. So, I mean, what more reason could you want to go to the premier place to be in late April? I or am, I am actually looking at economy flight prices from Heathrow to Halifax. It's not bad right now. You're to, you're to hop on right now for April. Yeah, there's there's probably some Air transatlantic Canada. cargo ships you can hop, hop on yeah, as well. Sure. It's only four steamer. days as opposed to a five day yeah. trip. Yeah. Air Canada got you hooked up. Air Canada does direct flights at the moment, and uh, I believe WestJet uh, are launching a Gatwick service. I'm not sure. I think they start on the 28th of April, though. So um, you'll have to go <laughs> You get a flight back, but most importantly, most importantly, um, and I think we need a little bit of hush for this. Mm. When Paddy finally pulls his finger out and issues the promotional media for OAOA 2024, people are not going to be just trying to get a hotel room in Halifax. They are going to be walking to Halifax, Nova Scotia, because when they see the imagery that is there to promote this incredible weekend, your minds are going to be blown and you're going to want to know Dimmy. So Paddy, if you're listening, get the damn things on the yeah, socials you, and let the people work, see the person. Uh, yeah. Come on. Uh, Actually, my wife did like a summer, like a month in Halifax or whatever for like an opera thing that she was doing, and she loved it. Like she wants to go back. So it is, it is gorgeous. It was July and not April. It's a little bit warmer, probably. But April weather is in, probably weather, right. Whether in April it could be snowing, it could be bright sunshine. We just don't know. Yeah, it's. Um... Demi, if I were to come in a day early and had a day to myself, where would you send me? Oh, so many places. Uh, obviously, there's uh, Peggy's Cove, which is a famous uh, attraction. Um, we've got, uh, there's loads of stuff. Uh, if you're into your history, there's loads of stuff um, about the, obviously, the Halifax explosion uh, and the wars, because we were obviously a pretty big part of the, um, uh, the British Empire and, and stuff like that with the Citadel. Uh, we've also got a big uh, Titanic uh, cemetery here, and there's a lot of stuff around the Titanic in, uh, in the Maritime Museum as well downtown. Um, so there's absolutely loads and loads of stuff to do. Um, plus we got loads of parks and just, if you just wanted to walk. So you, um, you had me at Maritime Museum yeah. as much as my wife and her honeymoon brings back bad memories for her. A Maritime Museum will suck me in right away. There we go. And of course, PER is just a quick trip up the, up the road. So, uh, sure. uh and, and if you, if you, if you do have a bit of time to spend, and you want to? You you you've got to do a couple of days in Cape Breton as well. It's absolutely beautiful. How far is uh, Quebec City too for you guys? Uh, Quebec City is probably about uh, an hour flight, hour and a half flight. It's so, not bad either. Yeah, yeah but uh, definitely uh, Cape Breton is about a four-hour drive. Yeah. Uh, I'd recommend staying in Cheddar Camp, doing a Skyline Trail, uh, and then there's the Gypsum Mines as well, um, or uh, PEI, oh, yeah. which I. Yeah. So what you're saying to me is this is basically all the Americas and we're doing yeah. all the Americas. So. <laughs> uh, do, you, do you have a favorite stuff. microbrew? Yeah, Tatamagooch. Tatamagooch, okay. Yeah. But then there's Brand Brewing as well. They do uh they do Black Angus uh which is another IPA and um 
Big Spruce, which are both Cape Breton uh, breweries. And do you have a trolley tour connected to breweries? <laughs> no, we do not, I'm afraid. No, they're quite spaced out. So. Uh, and what's what's the weather in April? Hit and miss. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, yeah, come, come dress for all occasions. Yeah. Bring layers. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. But, yeah, remember the date, April 27th, 2024, West Brom at home at Hillsborough. The day we secure our survival in the championship for another season. That's a what is it? That's like the second to last fixture, isn't it? Second it is, third, yeah. yeah. It is, uh, yeah. Sunderland the week after, and that's it. Yeah, not a well. It'll be it'll be a day one way one way or the other. It's going to be a lot of fun. Trust me. I hope you all experience <laughs> it. This is episode two hundred and thirty-three. The Owls America Chef of Wednesday opinion with an American accent. You can find us uh, wherever you get your podcasts, basically. Our podcast intro and bumpers by fellow Wednesday as Reverend of the Makers. Mike is on Twitter at Cascadia Owls. Uh, Mike, since we're doing the we're doing the OA stuff, uh, what place will Wednesday be in for their match home against West Brom for OA away? April twenty something. Yeah, is second be... to last game. Uh, the uh, match match week forty five. I think we'll be safe. I think we'll be safe. At you 19. think you'll be safe? You know, a nice nineteen. A nice uh, a nice afternoon morning. It is. We should note we didn't mention this. Uh, an hour ahead of East Coast time, so it'll be an eleven a.m. kickoff. It's right around uh, mid afternoon. Be good. You're saying be fine. I think so. Wednesday will be safe. Fair enough. Uh, we'll go to our more pessimistic owl. Uh, James is on Twitter at Manhattan Owl. James, where will Wednesday be for away away? What place in the championship table? I'm, I'm bristling a little bit about that, Jeff. Mm. I think I've been uh, I've been pretty positive today. You know, mm. if I only come on the pod every six months, I'm quite upbeat. Um, I'm I'm, I'm going to go 17th. Yeah. I don't know why, yeah. but why not? I don't know if it's achievable. Yeah. Is it even mathematically possible? Yeah, probably. But why, why the yeah, hell not? Seventeen. It's a it's a long season. A lot of matches. Uh, Dimi is on Twitter at djdimi. I'm not going to try to pronounce that. Dimi, you're you're our host. Uh, where will Wednesday be in the championship table when everyone comes to Halifax, Nova Scotia? It'll second to last day of the season. I think we'll start in uh, in twentieth. And mm-hmm. finish up at nineteenth and say and so oh, you're yeah you're predicting a po- positive result if nothing else. Oh. I mean, I guess they could yeah. go up on goal difference too if they lose. So, <laughs> look, we'll take whatever we can get, and we will see you here next week and in April in Halifax, Nova Scotia, for another edition of the Owls Americast. <laughs>